Ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Business Book Podcast. It is my pleasure to have uh, my good friend on yet again, John David Mann. And uh, in this episode, we have the double honor of having his better half, uh, Anna Gabriel Mann. So uh, welcome to y'all both. Thank y'all for um, for your patience. This has been a little a little crazy in the past few weeks trying to uh, to get us together, but uh, fate was we were fate was destined. It was destined <laughs> to make this happen. It's excellent to be here, and it's and it was it was worth all the uh, hoops we had to jump through. Yeah, we're very happy to be here. Oh, yeah, and this is a very exclusive club, so those hoops That's are right. very to you know only the people who want to be here show up. <laughs> well, um, my audience knows a little bit uh, or quite a bit about John uh, already. Anna, would you like to introduce yourself to? the crowd and tell them how impressive you are and how lucky John is to have you as his better. <laughs> I'm going to let John do that. <laughs> I thought you'd say that. <coughs> so I've never seen this woman before. Um, so my, uh, my wife, Anna, so Anna and I um, met 25 years ago, or we, we've been together for 25 years. And, you know, in the course of all the books that I've, I've, I've worked on over this last decade and a half or two decades, Anna has been my first reader for every book. Uh, really? And those those of you in the writing business know what that what that means. She's the first person that after I've hammered out a draft and I open the door to the let a little bit of the world in, she's the little bit of the world that I let in. Uh, she reads the, the the first draft of the manuscript and and tells me what I got right and tells me I'm not going to say what I got wrong, but tells me where where it needs work. You know, gives me that initial feedback, which is an incredibly vulnerable place to be. Any writer knows this. And so it's got to be somebody that you really trust. And I would trust Anna with my life, as the saying goes, oh, wait, I already did. <laughs> Here we are. Um, Anna started out in life uh, as a, as a um, family therapist. And that, you know, is so pertinent to, to this book. Um, she walked out of grad school with her master's degree in hand in family therapy and dance therapy and, and began working with families in trouble, families in need, families that, you know, that wanted their lives to go deeper, richer, further, or who were in dire straits. Um, she's been a marriage counselor and coach her whole adult life. And so we had this interesting conjunction of, of careers. You know, she's been my first reader for every book, which includes The Go-Giver, which you guys all know. The Go-Giver first rolled off my, my desktop printer as a rough draft in 2005. Couple of years before it saw print, um, because many of you may know the story, it was rejected 22 times by publishers, and uh, yeah, rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected. And uh, it's always good to have somebody who believes in you when these things happen. And Anna is that person for me. She's believed in me since we knew each other. And she read that very first draft and said, "This book is phenomenal, and you know, it would make a great book about marriage." Because this book describes the way that we are together. It would be a great book about relationships. So we've had the seed of this idea for this book going back, you know, nearly 20 years to 2005. Um, and as you know, there have been other, other Go-Giver books in the queue. The Go-Giver has sold over a million copies at this point, which is which is just still blows my mind. It's phenomenal. There have been other Go-Giver books, Go-Giver Leader, the Go-Giver Go Selmore, um, Influence book. Um, but this book was always in the back of our minds. 
And it finally, finally came time to do it, particularly during this pandemic when so many marriages are suddenly cooped up and experiencing cabin fear and finding two people staring at each other saying, oh, right, I'm spending this much time with you. <laughs> and and uh, it's not easy. It's been very stressful on all kinds of levels for so many people, very, very difficult times. And we thought this book has never been more needed and it's never going to be a better time than right now. So you know what? It's time. Let's do it. So we've been working on a book together and here it is. Sweetheart, you wanted to say something. I wanted to add something about the original Go-Giver, which I think that since this is a podcast about writing, <clears> that <throat> the listeners will find very interesting. Um, because I'm the first reader and I am an okay editor, I've published before, mostly in psychology journals and things of that sort. But, um, you know, I went out on a limb and, and told John, after many rejections, that I felt that I was not in love with the lead character of The Go-Giver at that time, and that I didn't find him, it wasn't that he wasn't likable, but I was not rooting for him. And that I felt like this was an issue in the book. And I just want to share that Bob and John went through a massive rewrite massive. I mean, they really took the part, the book apart. And I ended up being part of that as well, watching it go through its different changes. And, um, and they also worked with a very good editor at the time. And the combination, it just became a brilliant book. And I just like to share that because whenever an editor comes along, who's, you know, they often really know when something's wrong. And John always says, they might know what's wrong, but they might not know how to fix it. And that was absolutely true. I knew that there was something wrong, but I didn't really understand what it needed to be fixed. That's where John is really able to zero in and look at character development and look at the ways that the reader's going to perceive and receive this, this character. That's, uh, that's an incredible talent, by the way, Anna, because there are plenty of people who can read a book and say, oh, well, I didn't like it but not be able to put their finger on, on why. And so being able to zero in and say, this is the, the root of the, of the problem, that's, um, that's a gift. So your DNA really has, uh, has been in uh, the, the book since, um, since the original book, the original Go-Giver. Absolutely. And I, you know, I have spent quite a bit of time writing in my adult life. Um, despite the fact that this is my first published book, um, you know, lots of journal articles, lots of other places, magazines and other places that I was writing. And I was a senior editor for a, a national magazine at one point. So, you know, writing is not unfamiliar, but I do feel like this book is a labor of love for, for John and I in that it was a topic that was very near and dear to my heart from graduate school onward. And I, I really believe that marriages can be extremely strong and powerful and that, um, you know, there's, there's no need for the number of divorces that happen, but the people don't understand and they don't have the skills. Um, so writing this book together was really powerful for us because I wanted it to have theoretical chops. I wanted it to be something where people could see why these specific five secrets to lasting love work. And I also wanted it to be readable and have the kind of beauty that the Go-Giver series has. 
Now, I was going to point out that it's uh, it's it's quite a different style to write for um, to write for academic journals or to write for <laughs> a magazine versus writing and not just a not just a book that would be different enough, but writing a, a, a parable that's a, that's quite a, a niche type of uh, style. So how did um, what was it, it like for you to uh, to go from one not one set of skills but one style to uh, to something almost a world apart? Shall I go for that? Yeah. Go for that. I, I was just going to say that you know, I mean, there's a cu- couple places to go there. One is I know that for Anna, it was it was as you say, it really is it isn't like another world. And it was it was really interesting for me because the truth is I came from that world too. My dad was a college professor, and I grew up watching him grade graduate papers. He was a, he was a musicologist, and I uh, one of my favorite books is his his PhD thesis, The Study of Fugue. It's it's a it's a book that's still selling really well, years after his he's gone. And I grew up cutting my teeth on on this this stuff. And so when I was first writing like for magazines and things back in the seventies, my writing was really academic. That was my, that was my background. So for me, it's been a decades long process of making my sentences shorter, uh, of making them clearer, of removing subsidiary clauses, of getting to the point and of being a little more colorful and and plain in my writing. Anna, I watched Anna, you know, collapse all that kind of in a, you know, in a season, <laughs> in a couple of months, because boom, she's she's in this book. And I, I will I will just add that the book is in two parts. Part A is called the parable, and part B is called the practice. And parable was mostly my my task, and the second half, the practice, was mostly Anna's uh, task. So you could kind of see our two authorships there. But we were recently on a podcast where the host who had read the book said, "Honestly, I couldn't tell where one of you started, the other one stopped." And I was so tickled that to hear that that's that's really really cool because that of course is always the goal right we just we blend and i would add to that to say you know there are people in new york who refer to john as the parable king and you know we decided on what the five secrets were based on developmental theory which in psychology says that what you needed as an infant you still need today as an adult and there are facets to it. So there are five secrets and there are five very clear um, facets to what it is that you actually need as a human being and as an adult. Um, but, you know, given that we've both been in editing positions before for magazines and in other situations, John is an extremely good editor. So I would sit in my office and work on the back half of the book. He was he knew what the secrets were and he was in his office writing the front of the book. And we would pass our drafts back and forth to each other for both of us to give feedback on. And then we would just go back to our separate rooms and, and work. And so it was like this email frenzy going back and forth from one end of the house to the other, which was kind of a riot, but, but also really great because any place that I didn't, that I had too much of an academic focus, he was able to you know, he, he knows my voice as a writer so well. And, you know, he was seamlessly blending in a way that the editing made it picture perfect. And you couldn't tell who the speaker was. I, you know, just speaking from the editor's standpoint, also, 
you know, and you know this, Derek, as, as well as anybody, uh, I've been through this process of taking a manuscript that I worked on a lot, you know, that I've I've written and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten until I, I thought it was at the point where it couldn't get any better. It was like, it was perfection. It was just a masterpiece. It would be sung the praises for the ages. And then I give it to an editor and they say, yeah, it's got some strengths. <laughs> it was all these, all these problems in it. So what? Yeah, Derek is putting his hand up. You can't see this audience, but uh, <laughs> he's saying the the, uh, the podcast equivalent of Amen, brother. Um, and so in the in the process of, of working on my own stuff and coming at it, you know, after the, the flush and enthusiasm of the drafting is done, coming at it from the other side, from the editor standpoint, the objective, cool, um, brutal editor standpoint, I found a lot of my own writing ticks or writing habits. You know, one of my writing habits is that I tend to say the same thing over again two or three times. So, I mean, to, to example, you know, say the, the guy, you know, walked into the room and sat down, plunked himself right in the chair, got off his feet. I mean, I don't, that's an exaggeration, but it's like that. I'll say things three times, or I'll use three adjectives, or I'll repeat the same idea in triplicate. See how I just did that, by the way? Um, I, I guess it's to make it's to me. I wasn't even conscious. I just noticed it as I was saying it. I think I do. I don't know if I do that because I want to make you know doubly damn sure that the reader has the point, or if I'm just uh, uh, you know practicing you, vocabulary. You know, there, there's a form of of, uh, of OCD where you have to do things in three. You might want <laughs> yeah. to get checked for that. I'll send you my bill. Thank you. No, you send me your bill. You just diagnosed me. So uh, well, Anna's, Anna's the, uh, the therapist here. I know, it's true, it's true. <laughs> so it, was, it was interesting for me to, to, to edit my wife and, and for her to edit my stuff and because, you know, it's, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable place. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's so much fun. The, the bottom line of it is the only way that I can be brutal with my own writing is if I have this sort of underlying faith that it's good. There's something good in there. It's yeah. like it's not all garbage. There's something worth with salvation somewhere in those phrases. Um, oh my goodness, I just said that three times. And I know the same for Anna. Anna would bring me this manuscript, you know, this certain part, and I would say, "There's there's gold in here." Now we have to go through the process of sifting and figuring out what are the extraneous passages, and you know, and how can we say things better or simpler or clearer? And you know, so it was just fascinating i think for both of us a really fascinating process we did it to each other what were maybe one of your epiphanies or, or revelations for yourself and an epiphany concerning your uh, your writing partner she gives it back to me Pass it um, back and forth you know this is interesting i i um I tend to have this, even with all the great editors I've worked with, I kind of tend to have this bias, which is that the way that I've put something, the way that I've, I've couched some principle is, is ideal. It's like the best way you could couch it. I can't find any better way to couch it. I can't think of anything to add or anything to subtract. Like this is like once the editors help me kind of hone it and refine it. And the epiphany, and, and normally, by the way, um, if I'm working on, say, a go-giver book with Bob Berg, Bob will read the manuscript and he'll come back and he'll make suggestions like spot color colors, you know. Um, he'll say here, I think this maybe this word or there, that phrase, or maybe you could say this. 
this way. And they're all good suggestions. And I usually take about 85 to 90% of the suggestions. They're great. But they're like little spot, spots here and there. Same thing with Brandon. Same thing with any of my, my, my co-writers. Um, with Anna, it was different. She would come back with this, like these, all these pages of material that were looking at something that I'd done in the parable, but in a different, in a different light, from a different perspective. And I would go, yeah, yeah, that's not the way I said it in the story. And I would look and go, oh, my God. She's like, I never thought of saying it that way. And that's really good. That really, I think it was the first time that I've had a co-author um, approach the material that we're working on from a completely different standpoint and have it feel like, oh, my gosh, this actually complements the other thing, like, 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 like peas and carrots, as Forrest Gump would say. Um, and that was just such an absolute blast. That sounds like a beautiful collaboration. I should marry it, that woman. It, <laughs> it, it was a beautiful collaboration. And I would add to that by saying that, um, you know, when you, when you write for academia, you're used to laying down, you know, sort of an introduction and a foundation of theory and then, you know, an example or a story, um, you know, it has a real structure to it. Um, but it's not necessarily a, a structure that's enjoyable and readable. It's, it's, it's academic. And I feel like on the back of the book, the thing that the gift that John gave me was he allowed me to keep what I know theoretically to be true intact, because there's a way to talk about each of the secrets has the secret itself, but it also has an opposite. And the opposite of that secret are the very dysfunctions that take down marriages. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't speak about the secret unless I could include that because you can't just, it, it can't be all, you know, roses and, and daisies. Um, it has to have the dark side. It has to have the underpinnings of what's going to destroy your marriage if you don't get it under control. What is the neurology of happiness? What does it really mean to have your brain stuck in a loop of criticism? You know, how do we get in these dysfunctional patterns? What emotional baggage do we bring to a marriage? You know, all this theoretical material. And what John really helped me to do was, and you'll see it when you get into the back of the book, it's extremely readable because John was able to help me have a frame. And by a frame, I mean a beginning, middle, and end that followed in each way that allowed the understanding of what the concept is about this secret, why it's, you know, why it's important psychologically, but then client stories that illuminate it, that make it really clear what does codependence really look like? Well, it's somebody controlling the hell out of you. And, you know, so it, to be able to make it real and tangible and not just theoretical, and then at the same time to wrap it up with, What's the opposite look like? And how are you going to take down your marriage if you don't get out of the neurological loop of staying in the, in the negative of it? And a lot of people do that. They, they're, you know, I mean, I call it the hands on your hips syndrome. You know, you can have your hands on your hips with your spouse and you're keeping score on every last little detail with them. And that's not going to get you where you want to go. Um, but how do you explain that in a way that people don't go, you know, <gasps> make a big yawn, you know? Uh, so it was just enlightening for me to see John, you know, won a, a, an award when he was a teenager for a music composition. 
And he's a brilliant musician. He was the first chair cellist. Um, his father was a musicologist. He was raised in a family that was all about music. Music has its own rhythm. You know, you don't create a song and not make a bridge inside of that song that goes from, you know, the opening, you know, melody into some sort of bridge and into some deeper component of that melody and then back. There's, there's structure rules to composition and it's the same in writing. And John illuminated that for me in a way that allowed me like to kick back the doors and really get in there and say what I wanted to say, but keep it in a place where it was readable and fun and interesting rather than dogmatic. I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that by saying, I, I remember kind of the day this happened where Anna was writing material and it, it was material about, you know, as we say in the books, the book is based on this idea of five secrets. And followers of the show know that the Go-Giver had five laws of stratospheric success. And the Go-Giver leader had Ben's five keys to legendary leadership. And every Go-Giver book has five principles, um, which, to tell you the truth, comes from my love of the pentatonic scale. Uh, it's kind of where that, where that idea was born. But um, so this, this book has the five secrets to lasting love. And they're really all just five different perspectives on the underlying principle of living with a spirit of generosity, being generous to your spouse, your partner, and also being generous with yourself. Um, but so the five secrets kind of give the, the, the book itself a structure. They give the, the message the, the, uh, and, and the, the approach that we're, that we're trying to offer people, gives that a structure. Anna was writing material about a couple of the different secrets for the back of the book. And I was looking at it and I was kind of sorting and sorting it into piles of what seemed to go with what. And I, and I, that's where I, I came back and said, I gave her a, an outline that broke the material down into three pieces. One was why it works. This is for each one of the secrets, why it works. Number one, number two, what it looks like. And number three, your daily practice. So what that provided was that the, the platform that gave her was why it works allowed her to summarize the theoretical basis, the developmental theory. What is the need from our childhood and our growing time that is, is met or expressed in this secret? So why it works. It's like, that's the part where it could get academic and theoretical, but it's short. And it's, it's very, uh, as she said, very readable. Then what it looks like, is like how this shows up in your life. That's where we get client stories, real stories of real people. And, and what are the ways that, that you, things that you might do and how that could shake out with your spouse? And then finally, your daily practice is prescriptive. It's like, okay, here's what we want you to do, okay? Here's how you make this work. Here's the recipe for taking what you just read and doing it. Um, and once she had that structure, she started, I think it kind of gave her room, room to roam and get all of her material out in a way that was just free flowing, but still was going somewhere because we knew the three parts. Um, and then we added a fourth part for each one, which was examples, just like a bullet list, of practical examples, like one liners, how to, how to apply these principles. So we're really, really happy with the structure because we wanted this to be a parable that would touch people and move people and be a, you know, superbly entertaining story. And there's even a, fairy tale within the parable. So we, we, we tucked the story inside the story because one of the guys in the story tells a story. And uh, uh, I was reading Neil Gaiman at the time and I was very into Neil's kind of fairy tale fantasy 
like his his whole ethic, his style there. And so this this fairy tale kind of bubbled out. And uh, and we're both in love with this story, but we wanted it to be really practical for people. Like here's how you do it. So that's um, that's how the that's the genesis genesis of the of the back half. And I would add one other thing for your listeners. If you want to read John's very best parable so far, and, you know, he wrote The Latte Factor with David Bach. He wrote, um, you know, Out of the Maze, which was the, the continuation of Who Moved My Cheese, the Spencer Johnson. You know, he's written some brilliant parables, but this is the best one yet. And the reason is the story is so tight and so amazing, but there's this little gem. There's a fable inside of the parable. And the fable is so compelling and so beautiful that it just, we have, we, we are encountering readers at this time, people who have read an ARC, an, an advanced reader copy, who are saying, I couldn't get through the end of the parable without crying. And it's because it is really a powerful story. And we had to read it. We, you know, we did the recording for the audiobooks. And I had to read the end of the book. And I think it took me several takes to get it to the place where my voice didn't crack and where you could hear me just finish the book without. Better you yeah. than me. Yeah, I was. You're just, a better man than I am. Every one of them. Every time I read it, I I cry at the end. So it's it's um it's it's a really great parable. She's my best biggest fan, as you can see. My number one fan, not like in misery, like not that kind of number one, not not like Kathy Bates, <laughs> <laughs> not that kind of number hold, one. Fan. Hold up three fingers if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, um, so John, you've you've only ever had positive things to say about working with your with your other co-writers, but would you agree with my outside observation that the level of, of trust, the level of cooperation and collaboration, the, the ease, the flow of the two of y'all working together is, is unique? Oh, far and away. It, 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 cl it clearly is unique. And it's, and it's funny too, because, you know, it's easy to say, well, this, Anna is really close to this material. This is really, this material is really personal for here, for her. Well, yeah, that's true, but it's also true of my other collaborators. I mean, write about Navy SEAL stuff. It's really close to Brandon too. Um, so, but, but this is different. The dynamic is different. And I think, you know, clearly part of it is that, my, my co-author lives in the same house with me. Um, you know, we cook every morning together. Uh, we know each other so well. We've worked on so, by the way, this is our first book that we've co written together, but we've done so many other things together in, in the way of collaborations. We've, we've consulted the companies together. We've built businesses together. We've been in, we've been in business together. We've, um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of things that were, that required professional collaboration you know, there weren't books. So we already know each other's rhythms and our thinking really, really well. I think that's part of it. Um, and I think part of it is that I just, you know, one of the five secrets in the book is called believe. 
we call it believe in. And the, the idea of that is that you put your unshakable, unswervable faith in your partner and you find ways to let them know that. And, you know, I, one of my favorite examples of that, I'm looking for the book here. Um, the, so I, this is, I'm holding up, nobody can see it, um, but I'm holding up my book, Steel Fear, which is a novel that I released last year. It's a thriller. And it was just awarded, uh, actually, it was just nominated for a Barry Award, which is, I'm very, very excited about, needless to say. Was, I, I realized this morning that I hadn't uh, read the book. So I went on Amazon and ordered this morning. Oh, far time. out. Far out. Oh, man, I can't wait to hear what you think about it. You will love it. You will absolutely <laughs> not be able to put it down. It is I thrilling. Wait. I can't wait for the movie. I just so a little, a little context here. So it's called Steel Fear, Steel Like the Metal steel fear and it's a thriller uh, about a navy seal who's uh, disgraced and has some very disturbing memory lapses about some very uh terrible circumstances in any case that was released last july the sequel is being released this june that's called cold fear i've begun working on the third book this first one, Steel Fear, was not only nominated for a Barry Award, it was named by Publishers Weekly one of the 10 best books of, of 10 best crime books, mysteries, thrillers of the year. And uh, Lee Child said on the cover, it's a sensationally good, an instant classic, maybe an instant legend. That's Lee Child of Jack Reacher fame. So this is pretty hot, high praise for, for my first novel. But here's the backstory. For years, and I'm talking 20 about years. 20 years, yeah, for, for two decades, Anna's been telling me, you should write novels. You, you'd, you'd be great at novels. And I would say, I appreciate the vote of confidence. Translation, yeah, I don't, I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't think so. And honestly, Derek, I, to me, it's like a novel seemed like such a daunting thing. Like I can sit down with somebody and you've done this too. I can sit down with somebody like a businessman or, or an entrepreneur and I can, I can interview him for 20 hours and kind of get his life story and get it all transcribed. And then I can take that and cobble it together into a, into a good narrative, which is the story of his life. It's his memoir. Great. Derek and I both done this. I could do that. I knew how that worked, but assembling a novel and a thriller, the thing about a thriller is that, you know, a memoir is about the person you're writing about. A thriller is about the reader because the thriller has to hold the reader by the throat from the first page and never let go for 400 pages. It's like, I, I, I couldn't even imagine doing that. So she would say, I think you'd write great novels. And I'd be like, yeah, I don't think I have that many original ideas. <laughs> I, don't think I, could, I don't know how, I, how I'd pull that off. And so here's the, here's the, um, uh, here's the dedication. Here's how it reads in the dedication page of the book. For Anna, who always believed, for two decades you've been telling me I should write novels until I finally believed it too. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. And that's exactly what happened. And that go, goes back to answering your question. I think what's special about our, our collaboration in The Go-Giver Marriage is we so believe in each other. I believe in what she's saying and what she knows, and she believes in, in what what I have to say and, and how I say it. Um, and so there's a there's there is a special kind of joy, but also a special kind of, I think, facility in the process. It just makes us work, work together really well. And there's a great line in the, in the Bible that says, faith is the substance of things unseen. Yeah. And 
if you're going to really believe in your spouse, then you have unshakable faith in their abilities. And if you really extend that, eventually they do believe. <clears throat> it's when you let your faith falter or dissipate that mm -hmm. your spouse will not be able to take on the next challenge because they know they have no one behind them. No, if nobody believes in them, including themselves, yeah. then it's really hard to take on something new that is going to be challenging and that's going to demand a lot. But for your listeners who are writers themselves, I will tell you that one of John's secrets to success comes back to that ability of composition. And I don't mean composition of a sentence. I mean composition of a complex structure, like a symphony or a piece of very complex music. Um, he keeps impeccable files when he's writing, and I mean impeccable. And he has, you know, sometimes draft A1 through 5 and B, B1 through 7, you know, I mean, he, on a specific chapter. I mean, he is just so clean and organized that he can keep and retain things that he wrote before that he's now taken out. He can always go back and retrieve things. His files are so tight that even when he gets down to the editing, I'm shocked and amazed when I see a New York editor come back and say, this is great. This is really working. This is not working. And I've read the book at least twice by then. So I'll be like, yep, she's right. That is not working. <laughs> and, and what's great is that he will go back into his files and he will look at the way it's, it's, it's structured and he will find a way to shift it and then to go back and backtrack every clue that led to that moment. Because when you're dropping clues through the whole book in a thriller, you have to make sure those clues line up later in the book. He'll go back and make sure every clue works. And then he's able to make the change very seamlessly. For people who are taking on a big project, think about that. Because if you're not structured clearly, and if you don't have the, the, the structural ability, and I mean that in terms of your own personal organization on your computer, if you don't have it, then um, it's going to make putting together a novel much harder, especially a novel that's got a complex structure, complex characters, and, you know, there's a lot more than you know, beginning, metal end. And for Steel Fear, I, because, but by the way, um, and I know we're not talking about Steel Fear in this, in this podcast, but hey, we'll talk about it. Um, it, it the, I did something I've never done before with Steel Fear. After I'd done a first draft, I actually hired a consult, story consultant on my own dime and actually it was more than a dime. It was uh, like 1200 bucks or something and hired her to go through the whole manuscript and give me a report. And she gave me 25 single spaced pages of, of dynamite critique. And, and a lot of it was, you know, there was so much that didn't work. Um, but in order to reverse engineer everything I'd done and kind of take all the knitting out or take all the stitching out and put the garment back together again differently for steel fear, I actually had documents where I had every chapter you know, numbered and bulleted. And then I had, I had color coding for the different characters, um, all in a Microsoft Word document. So I had this sort of whole, you know, look very OCD. I had this whole elaborate, uh, you know, document that, that, hey, 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 he's looking at me. <laughs> the, the, the three thing, the thing, but um, so that I could see kind of at a glance, like some writers use three by five cards stuck on a, on a pasteboard, right? I don't, I've never used three by five cards. And this is my version of three by five cards. What I found was that, you know, I had probably five different kinds of outlines for Steel Fear as I was developing it. Uh, like I had all these different tools assembled. It was like, it was like 
the control room of an aircraft carrier, which is what I happened to be writing about at the time. Um, what I found was when I got to the sequel, Cold Fear, my tools were much more stripped down. I didn't do any color coding. I, ha I still had the outline with the one line per chapter, and then I had the, the italic description of what what the main goal in that chapter. I had some some outlines, but having used all those tools in the first novel, by the time I got to the second novel, I kind of internalized some of that technique so that I didn't find I had to, had to get quite as exhaustive in my organization. And I'll bet that in my third, it'll be more streamlined yet. Um, but man. I had to do it like in meticulous detail the first time out, or I, I would have felt completely lost where yeah. I was going. Well, apparently it worked. One of the top 10 crime mystery thrillers of the year. I see. It worked somehow. So it came together. It came together. Well, have, uh, have you thought about your next book? funny you should say that you're not talking <laughs> about the crime throwers you're talking about the two of us yeah we have we have yeah sure we have yeah this is our first time but not our last you want to say anything sweetie uh not even a not even a teaser well i would love to put it out are you okay with that john yeah sure okay um, Ooh, exclusive you know I'll, I'll give you this background derek because i think it's important from the minute the Go-Giver came out, people from all over the world were writing to us and saying things like, when are you going to write a book about relationships? And at the same time, um, an individual in the Midwest developed a teaching and coaching program for teaching the Go-Giver to children and adolescents. And he created amazing projects for these kids to take on as ways of, of teaching them about actively being a go-giver in the community and in the world. And it was so powerful that teachers all over the country took on the guide that he created with Bob and John. Um, he created a teacher's guide, a teacher's curriculum, if you will, for teaching the go-giver to children and kids. Um, children and kids, I guess, are the same thing. <laughs> She's got two going, so, not three, but two. That's good. That's a start. Yeah. Children. So, so I had been right from the get-go when The Go-Giver came out and we were hearing from people that they were applying it in their marriages and in their families. I said to John, I, I don't want to just write a book about marriage. I want to write a book about raising children. Because when you're raising children, you can do a great job and you can do a horrendous job. And the truth about marriage and I'll say this, we haven't really talked about the content of the book, but I'll say this, all of us, not a single person that's listening, has survived their childhood without emotional wounds. And we carry those emotional wounds into our relationships and into our marriages. And those are the things that get in the way. It's all about personal growth and self-growing, getting in charge of yourself, getting in charge of the way that your personal wounds are infringing on the marriage, impacting the marriage, and riding all over the marriage. Um, and it's worth doing because you're just going to repeat it again if you don't do it. You know, those people that have been married many, many times and they still haven't, you know, they're going for divorce number five, 
you know, those are the people who didn't wake up. They didn't, they didn't grow. They just jumped into the next thing that looked good and felt good. And they didn't do the personal work. So, uh, Raising children is the same, you know, whatever it is that you grew up with, you're likely to carry the cycle forward and you're likely to, to spill it onto your children. So the next book that we want to write is, is a go-giver book about, for, and it's not for parents. For the longest time, I wanted to call it the go-giver parent. And then I, I realized that it's not parents. It's parents, teachers, coaches, mentors. It's everyone who impacts a child's life. That when we talk about raising children who've got their heart and their values in the right place, it's a, it's a community, to, to use a worn out phrase. So um, the, the go-giver village, it takes a village to raise a child. <laughs> yeah. So to speak. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, when all those people have a book that they can really use as a resource, it kind of gives them secrets to unwrapping how to open a child up and really be able to help them, their development to move forward in a much more powerful way. I mean, kids will take on leadership in a heartbeat if they've got a good mentor. They'll take on helping the entire community. I mean, how many stories have we heard during the pandemic of, you know, a nine-year-old boy making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the homeless and going out with his mom or dad in the car and delivering 250 sandwiches a day to people who had no food. And he was just doing it with the money he was earning on a paper route. Yeah, You know, it's like, there's so much goodness and there's so much that can be taught to children about being a go-giver themselves. And those values, there's a reason the go-giver is in 30 languages and has spread around the world. It's a powerful book with powerful concepts. And we've been teaching it for years, John and I. I mean, we feel this book may be about marriage, but it's just about, it's just as much about business and about work mm -hmm. and about any relationship you're in, best friends, whatever. There's, there's secrets to being that friend that people consider a wingman. Look, here's my, uh, here's my wallet. Can I go ahead and pre-order? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Patience, Grasshopper. <laughs> go ahead tell him we, tell him how to pre-order john we, that's right go ahead jim tell him what he's won yeah i i want i want to i want to have that book up online for you right now too man i, I really do but yeah you know, we wanted to have the you know the go-giver marriage ready it for is it. up online right now there's a pre-order special oh oh you're talking about our book I thought, I, was I thought I was talking about the new book. No, you know, he's the, talking the, about... The, the unwritten book. Okay, so the new book. Yes, the current book, Go-Giver Marriage. We have a website, gogivermarriage.com. No hyphens, just all one word, gogivermarriage.com. And if you, you can order the book through that site. Uh, there's buttons to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Books, bookshop.org, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Go anywhere. In fact, you can buy it anywhere. But if you go onto our site and plug in your order number, then you get some goodies that we made just for you. And the goodies are, uh, we got, Anna and I sat down on our living room couch and recorded two masterclasses, uh, video masterclasses. One of them is called The Mindset of Lasting Love. And the other one is called Dealing with Conflict. And they're 30, 40 minutes long. They're fairly substantial. And then, uh, then the third thing is, oh, and also, by the way, you will get a one minute video trailer that we shot preparing for that, that features us and our dog. So there you go. 
that's that's worth it right there. Hey, Derek's like, I'm in. That's that's forget the other stuff. That's that's what I'm here for. Then uh, we also, if you pre-order, the third thing you'll get is a uh, free access to a live fireside chat we're doing via Zoom two weeks after the book launches, where we'll do a just op- kind of open mic Q and A. I say open mic. It's like you'll type in the comments, right? Uh, it's Q&A. So you ask your questions. We'll do our very best to answer them live. Our moderator for that call is the one and only Dan Rockwell, who's a creator of the popular Leadership Freak blog, which is just Leadership Freak uh, online. And uh, Dan is a wonderful, wonderful man. He's, his blog has been named the number one leadership blog in the world. Uh, and he's a very sweet man, huge fan of our book. And uh, Dan and I are actually, this is exclusive secret only on this show. Dan and I are also writing a book together. Um, So this is just one more way to spend time together. And that's going to be just for the people who pre-order the book. And in in addition to that, we are actually leading um, a class that is a deep dive into the five secrets. And that goes very, very deep into the material. And then um, does a Q&A afterwards so that people can sort of unwrap it. And that's an online Zoom event as well. We, we host them every single month and in some cases multiple times a month because there's people asking for it. We limit it. Um, we, it's 10 to 35 people. And we try to keep it to the lower side of that numbers wise so that there's plenty of room for people to ask questions and to share and to talk. Um, so it's it's. Um, it's another thing that people can tune into. And then in the fall, we're starting to train coaches, go-giver marriage coaches, and that program is also available. And when does the book release? March 8th. Oh, wow. Right. So just right around the corner. Right around the corner. Exactly. Uh, I, I shall mention this too. On our site, there's actually also a link. One of the, one of the retail buttons as a link for uh, autograph copies. Um, in a week or so, we're going to march ourselves down to our, our favorite local um, indie bookstore, Oxford Exchange, a very, very cool place. If you live in the Tampa area, you know it because you can get the best coffee in Tampa there. Um, and we're going to go down there and sign a whole mess of books. And they are they are going to fulfill them all over the all over the country. So you can pre-order a signed copy or multiple signed copies right there on the site. And if anybody places an order for 10 or more books, um, we will come and do a free book club event for you. So if people want to do that as well. That's an option as well. I love book clubs. I love chatting with, with book clubs. I don't know if you've done this, Derek. It, it's just, it's the coolest thing. I mean, yeah, you get, you get a bunch of people in the living room who've all read your book and like they're dying to ask you certain questions about it. And then you get to go on a, a chat with them. It's just, it's just, you can't have more fun on a, on an afternoon. Well, y'all are certainly living up to the uh, to the giving part of the the go giver. Ah, uh, yeah, it's what it's the deal. It's the thing. You know, there's this thing we call the Pindar principle, which is simply you won't find these words in the go in the original go giver. It, it took us a while to to articulate it. I think I might have put it in the introduction to the second book or the third book. Anyway, it's the Pindar principle: is the more you give, the more you have. It's just certainly true in marriage. You know, this is this has been lovely. It is inspiring and encouraging to hear 
that such a complex project was was it sounds like a source of, of joy for the two of you. Yeah, and I've got to say, to be honest with you, I, I I didn't have any reason to think that it wouldn't be, but going in, I didn't know for sure if it would be. And I think part of it is I'm very solitary. I mean, I'm I'm Anna and I are both introverts, and I'm I am sort of passionately, jealously solitary in my writing practice. It's like I don't want to tell anybody the ideas of a book I'm working on while I'm working on it. I don't want to show my drafts to anybody. It's like, it's, I, I, I want to be alone. I'm like Greta Garbo of writers. Right. Um, and I thought, man, I'm going to be doing this with my wife and sharing drafts and showing her my stuff and looking at her. Stuff. I didn't know what it'd be like. It's been not only the writing of the book, but also these podcasts and being a sort of promotional tour and the whole, the whole business of the book, the whole production, working with the publisher. We have a fabulous publisher, Ben Bella Books. They've been amazing uh, uh, every step of the way. And then just the two of us working together to build out these programs. It has been beyond my expectation how satisfying and rewarding it's been. So it's like opened up a whole new dimension of our marriage. What do you know? <laughs> Wow, is this uh, this is life imitating art? Huh? Y'all had yeah. uh, them writing the book and actually turns into strengthen of the strengthening of the marriage. This is like mm -hmm. secret number six: write a book with your wife. <laughs> maybe maybe that can be a maybe that could be a, a small ebook that y'all give to. Uh, yes, exactly. That's a great idea. Premium. Well, thank you again for uh, persevering with me to. Uh, to show up and uh, thank you for being so uh, open and so forthwith with um, showing us behind the scenes. It's, uh, it's truly been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Loved it. Thank you greatly, friend. We'll do this. Uh, we'll do this again. Yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, at least, uh, at least three more times. Right. Because uh, <laughs> that's right. With David and then uh, the go giver uh, village or our mentor, and then uh, cold fear. Yes. We have a bright future, clearly. <laughs> All right, Jill. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.